Cash Up New Brunswick podcast. You've got your hosts, uh, Zor, Matt Clem, and Red Slippery. Um, we're not. This is our first podcast for Cash Up New Brunswick, so we're not really too sure what we're doing. <laughs> uh, we just figured we wanted to uh, share some different things with people in a different medium as opposed to posts. So we're uh, we're gonna sit here and chat up the uh, chat up a storm about some different things going on. So uh, what? Uh, some of the things that we've been had in mind to talk about for during the podcast to think about doing interviews with some other people and talking about events and what else do you think? Well, things that are uh, people are discussing right now. I went on geocaching.com today and got some ideas about some of the things people are arguing about, discussing. You know, there's a lot of different uh, topics on there. Some good, some bad. So <laughs> maybe rehash some of those over again. But yeah. it's always good to bring this stuff back up for the new people or people that really never got involved with it the first time. Yeah, it's it is kind of cool to. Uh, I mean, people a lot of, a lot of people don't go to forums like that, or a lot of people don't you know don't participate in stuff like that, so they might not hear about it. Or you know, there's always conversations going on about caching, so it's kind of different to, to bring some stuff up. So, so hopefully, you know, we won't bore you to tears talking uh, about whatever it is. We end up talking about, so I'm going to turn my TV off here because it's bugging me. What am I going to watch? I'm going to have to look at you. Uh, so, recent events. Uh, let's see. So, one of the things I want to talk about a little bit is just the different events going on uh, and some uh, caching stories, different things. Um, I'd actually, you know, I've, I sat down and wrote a bunch of things that we could talk about. I mean, uh, Ken are sitting here looking at our sheets going, okay, what, what are we actually supposed to talk about or what are we going to actually say? But uh, I thought actually change the order. If you want to kind of shoot shoot a little bit out about uh, your trek to the Catamount Trail and what you were kind of doing on that and how that how that went. I know that you were saying it was a, it's not a trail at all. <laughs> well, four of us left on Tuesday, first thing in the morning. Six six o'clock, Mark. Irene was at my place. Wow. We met uh, Jim Fifty Two and Insepit in Petticodiac. Grabbed a coffee and took off for Adair's Lodge. Actually, we drove past Adair's Lodge. Went right to. Uh, I can't really describe where it is because it's all dirt roads back there. I really don't know where to go. But we did the southernmost portion of the Catamount Trail, which brings you down to Martin Head. Okay. We didn't quite go all the way down. We started. Um, we all had the first cache on that trail, that, which is an older cache. It wasn't put out recently. Uh, all the new ones are Tedagusha's caches. So we drove down the road a little ways and bushwhacked into one because it was much quicker. It saved us about a kilometer of walking, which uh, at the end of the day was nice because we did about at least 15 kilometers that day. Wow, that's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of hiking. <laughs> yeah, and so we bushwhacked into the first one. We found that, and then we had to uh, walk around trying to figure out where this trail was. And we found it. We found some blue paint on a tree, just like on the Dobson Trail. The Appalachian okay. markings is six inch by two inch blue. And if it wasn't for that, we would have been going from cache to cache, randomly, just walking through the woods, because we followed these blue blazes, there's no trail. Really? Nothing on the ground to indicate there's a trail there, uh, other than those blue blazes. And we lost them, but they're marked. Double, double blazes for turns. There's yellow side trails, which bring down to the waterfalls. Well, how can there be a trail if, if they're marked, but there's no trails? Is it just because it's overgrown, or was there ever a trail there, or was that the way it's designed? Well, Alonzo Legier, who works with, does a lot of the trail work here in this area. Okay. And he's big in the Dobson Trail. His son Mark does the geocaching, uh, not geocaching, Dobson Trail Facebook page. Oh, okay, okay. I've met them a few times. Alonzo's a pioneer of the Dobson. He's been on it for 30 years. Wow. Uh, working on it, designing it, and he walked 
just walk through there and put blue marks on trees really? where we felt the trail should go. Hmm. So it's along ridges. Uh, sometimes you go down, sometimes you go up. For the most part, he tries to keep you level. So because he's keeping you level, you end up following the contours as opposed to a straight line from point to point. Okay. So, so how many caches did you guys end up getting? I don't really know. I'm over 20 that day, we did two, two trails. We did that Catamount Trail, and then we went and did the Adair's Nature Trail. Okay. Which starts at Adair's Lodge and goes around Walton Lake. I'm not sure what the name of the lake is. I think it might be that. Okay. It comes out about, it's about a three kilometer. That's a trail. Definitely a trail. You walk it. It's really nice. Ma and Pa put, I think, eight caches on that. Okay, cool. And we followed that out. We got to the end, and you're 50 meters from the lodge, but there's 49 meters of water. Between you and the last cache. Okay. So you have to walk down where there's an old beaver dam. That's what we found. And we crossed across the top of that. Hmm. The people at Adair's told us the last ones to do that call and got someone to come. There's three canoes. You can see them on the other side. To come <laughs> over and get them in a canoe and bring them back. Really? The 50 meters, if that. It might not even be that far. But we bushwhacked around, got back in Seppa's truck, which we had left there earlier. And then okay. Went back to Adair's. So it was, uh, we started, I think we hit the woods around... A little after nine, we drove to a couple that we did first. They were on different roads that we wanted to get. Okay. And then we hit hit the woods at probably nine thirty, and we come out close to three. Wow. And uh, it was all bushwhack. Really? What there was, a couple sections were old ATV roads. But they were probably all, overgrown. They were overgrown and washed out. They yeah. Were, it was all easy walking. There was no thick thick bushwhack. Well, that's it's good. all old forest and. You walk alongside some choppings as well. They're very near clear cutting. Hmm. Okay, I'd recommend it. It was a great trip. How uh, you said it's near? Like you started to kind of add a deer's lodge, and I've never been out that area. So whereabouts is that exactly? You go to Sussex. You turn off Sussex Corner, head to Poly Mountain. Okay, and you just keep past Poly Mountain, keep veering to the right on when the road split, okay. two or three splits. Keep veering to the right, then the road turns into dirt. Back to pavement for a little bit on a steep hill. And then your dirt roads rested away. Okay. And we crossed Shepherdy Road, which okay. will bring you back to Funday Park. Yeah. And then across to New Ireland Road and come out in Riverside yeah. Albert. Yeah. That's loaded with caches. Yeah, yeah. I've been out. I've been on. Well, I did the New Ireland Road down to the fifty point road or whatever is the twenty road or fifty road, whatever that's called with the yeah. bridge. That's right on the forty five. Forty five. Thank 45 you. Bridge road, yeah. yeah, I've. I've done that because I did the New England, yeah. New Ireland, whatever it is. <laughs> that series of. Uh, Chignecker duos? The fall foliage. Yeah, story. that's it, yeah. So Well that was cool. And there's the well we only did one section of the Catamount Trail. North of where we started is rougher. Oh it's, yeah. It's wetter, it's thicker, it's grown in, it's harder, harder going. From what we've been told by Ted Agusha. Okay. So we didn't do that section, we got the bottom section. Hmm. So Zonker's talking about doing an event at Adairs. Oh, I think out. I heard him, so him we'll, saying that. I was talking to him today, and he was—he still wants to do it. He's just going to find the day and hmm. pick a day, and people cool. will show up. I'm sure. Bugs bad or no bugs at no all? No bugs at all. Bugs Didn't see anything. Really, lots of moose sign. We saw one moose on the road, <laughs> but nothing else. Cool. All right. Well, that sounds like fun. So, uh, a couple of actual events that have, were going on in uh, New Brunswick recently. I actually was talking to a uh, tree hugger from Fredericton, and uh, she put on uh, two event, events Excuse me, this past Saturday. She did a, a fall seedo, 
And she actually put on this event called Snapshots, which was kind of a inspired by the Monks' Race for Cash, because this year when we did the Race for Cash, you had all the, the pictures you had to take, right? So you had to take pictures of different things in different places. So I got an email from her, and she asked if, you know, I minded if she used that as an idea for an event of hers. So I uh, wanted to go. We you know, we were both going to go, actually, but yeah. uh, we didn't get a chance to. So she kind of gave me the rundown. So she had a really, really good turnout. They had nine teams. Uh, looked like it was a 100 different snapshots she had on the list so you know some of the same ones we saw at the race you know a cop with a gps and people holding hands and some things like that but she just had some other good ones so she said that uh, a lot of people had a lot of fun said it was a really really good turnout so hopefully she said she wants to do it again next year and kind of make it a yearly event hopefully we make it to, to next year that would be a yeah we had plans on going but <laughs> zonker was going with us so was ron yeah, yeah, and then, then you guys were going to go, and then I, me and Ron were going to go, and Ron actually invited Mark, Marva, Mark Irene, and three of us were going to go, and Ron got sick, and I had a wedding and too many other things going on that Saturday, so it's like, you know, just not not going to happen this year, but uh, maybe next year. So, um, We also did the uh, other breakfast in the uh, multi-first-to-find multi-event that Zonker put on. So you uh, you went out and hit. A, have you got your? Did your multi get published? Yes. Yeah. Someone actually logged a find on it. Yeah, I, I took one of Zonkers. I went and found it. Okay. Now it's published. And then Jim took the one I hid, but he didn't go find it in time. So okay. He didn't get the first to find. Uh, somebody else did. Okay. So it's mine was published as well. Yeah, Yours? I. Yeah, mine went through, and I the Army of Two got the yep. the first to find on that, and I haven't seen their cash come through. But I don't have multis on my Notify, so I don't know if it actually got published, because I still haven't gone out to get it. I have the sheet here somewhere, but I just haven't had a chance to go find it, so hopefully... Yeah, I'm not too worried. First to find is something we can bring up at another another time, because there's lots to talk about that. Yeah, lo- lots of conversation on first to find. You're probably doing an entire podcast just on the uh, the ideals of first to finds, but, you know, that is that is what it is. Um so, outside of the events, we also had uh, some caches. If you go on the uh, geocaching.com webpage and look at the newest caches in New Brunswick, there's uh, a bunch of ones. There's always caches getting published. Everybody knows that. There's always new ones coming out. Unfortunately, you don't see a lot in our area, even in Moncton now. It seems like the caches are... There's not a lot of hiding going on recently. I mean, the Maltese got hidden a bit late, but you hit a bunch. I hit eight yeah, a couple hit, weeks ago, Yeah, and I've got uh, three puzzles sitting in the queue. Okay, yeah, you were saying And that. I got another one I'm working... Two more I'm working on, put out. Yeah. And they're probably going to be Maltese. Traditional is so easy to put out. Yeah. I think I'm losing interest in hunting a traditional, even though I have come out and said before I don't like puzzles. <laughs> I'm going to put a few out just because anybody can just walk in off the side of a road and hang something in a tree or yeah. stick it in a yeah. stump. and it's, That's great. There's, there's a place for those, and I love finding them, but... Myself, I don't want people to say, what a boring cache. Yeah. And they go find mine. I don't say that about theirs. I never found a boring cache in my life. Yeah. They're all good no matter what. But uh, I don't want people saying, oh, his caches are all the same. Yeah. Yeah. There's some of that. And it's kind of funny, too, because you talk about, you know, wanting to do something uh, a little bit different or whatever with the, the puzzles. Because, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm so anti-puzzle. I just don't, I don't do them. And... You know, here I've had in the last month, I've already hidden two. One really easy and one really hard. So it's, 
you know, it seems almost uh, like an oxymoron, you know, kind of going against what I was saying. But at the same token, it's you want to do something different. You want to do something interesting. And, and if you can't find a really interesting place to take someone, well, why not? You know, maybe you can turn it into a puzzle. Or the where I goes, like did the two where I goes, and that that was at least something. You know, that was something different. And well, I got stuck. I'm not, I'm not talking. I don't want to talk just about my caches, but my fun with logs that I put out. Yeah. Where I, well, I can't make the cache any different, but I can make the logging different because lately yeah. we've discussed that too. Getting logs with a smiley face. Yeah. Not yeah. even a thanks for the cache. Yeah, it's. And that's I, a real problem. <laughs> yeah, and I don't mind. If I hit 25 micros on a, on a trail all in the same tree, the same thing, I got no problem with the cut and paste because I just cut and paste a whole bunch of micros into the woods. Yeah, exactly. But uh, if you're just going to go find one cache or go on the Dobson Trail and put a smiley face on a cache I put on, on, a, on a nice nature trail, you know, take the time to acknowledge, you know, I don't cut and paste. Yeah. I have in the past, but I always add a little bit. And I do my field notes when I go out on a long trip, and I always come home and change them, yeah. modify them. I don't like personally cut and paste, but I don't mind a cut and paste on mine if someone's busy. Yeah, see, now my my sort of take on it is it kind of depends on where you are. Like, like to your point about the the whole short logs with just a smiley face, or even just TFTC. It's you know well, we, there was a post on Cash Up in Brunswick about that, the fact that that seemed yeah. to be becoming a pattern, and you know I, I so much share the same opinion. You know if if I'm going out and I'm doing a series of 20 caches, well, I have no problem if you're going to cut, cut and paste the same log for every one of them, but put something substantial as opposed to just two characters or four letters that say something. You know, at least put, you know, went up for the day with John Doe, you know, decided to go caching, wanted to do the series or whatever, just, you know, because you see a lot of people that come from other cities or towns and they do these and they do a big write-up but it's still the same write-up for all their logs and I, i'm okay with getting that you know i hit the yeah. storyteller series there's 104 caches in that series i'm not expecting to get you know different logs in every one i'll read them if i notice that they're all the same i typically just delete them all but if they're you start to notice little minute differences well then yeah i'll actually sit and read them which is you know, it's kind of nice to actually see. And some people logged your caches with completely insane logs. <laughs> so, okay. Yes, I've seen that before too yes. now, eh? Yeah, so. But I was up, and, and I think we're going to come to that later. I was up north, and I found a bunch of caches by a cacher that, and, and Forrest Fauna brought this up on the website, who hasn't cached in years. Yeah. They're all the same. They're a winter hide. They're all the same. This person doesn't even go on to geocaching.com. All of those caches, I must have found 30 of them, all the same, all on road. I put... Found it, thanks for the cash. Yeah. No one's reading it anyway. Yeah. No one's going to read that log, and the person, the, the owner doesn't care. Yeah. So why, would I, why am I going to explain something? Yeah. I found it. Yeah, exactly. So, I uh, also noticed a new series in Memory of Cook. I haven't done much uh, cashing out Memory of Cook. Every once in a while, I'll go for a little run and I'll snag a few out there, but I saw the cookers did like four or five. Nothing found out that area. No, not at all. I did, there's a service road that runs parallel to the Trans-Canada. I did do that with my adventure group. Oh, yeah, it's, it's like 20 or, last 20 or some caches, I think, on that one road. I think Incep has got a few at the end. Yeah, maybe, because that's it hits the uh, the old Shediac Road is where I think it ends there. And then I think there's other trails yeah. in the same area. It comes area. out in Calhoun. Yeah, exactly, yeah. out in there. So. And uh, you were just talking about, you know, doing some uh those caches from the guy that doesn't cache anymore and I was noticing up in the bathroom area too that it looks like Grey Beast is doing a lot of hiding so I mean nice to see uh nice to see caches getting uh 
getting published. Because when, when we went up there, Paul and Ron and I, for three days, or two and a half, we found a lot of Grey Beast caches. Yeah. Because he was putting them out on, on back roads. Okay. They were anywhere from 20 to 180 meters off of a dirt road, 20 kilometers from the nearest house. Really? There was a couple we drove by, 180 meters in, and we were there to, to find a lot of caches. Yeah. And just go, 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 and see what we can do, and have some fun. And some of them, we just didn't want to do a 180-meter cache for a small container yeah. in the woods. They didn't have any significance. If he was bringing up to something, 180 meters is great. Yeah. But he was just going along this road and, and throwing them out, which is great, because there's lots of dirt roads. So we skipped a couple. But we called him. We emailed him while we were up there. Oh, yeah? And uh, he sent us coordinates. I said, come on over for a coffee or, or beer. So we met him at his house. Oh, that's cool. And sat and talked to him for about an hour. And a great fellow, older gentleman, retired, uh, looks like a great beast. <laughs> His name is appropriate. <laughs> really. Um, and, and he's doing a, a great up there. He's, re, he's putting out really good quality catches and in good spots. Good, good. Not all of them were 180 meters off. And he, he said he hid most of them in the late winter, early spring. Okay. So there wasn't much growth. And we went there in July. Oh, and there was raspberry just, bushes and everything yeah, well over just, our heads. Wow. Some of them were actually dangerous. Really? Because we couldn't see where we were going. Well, it's funny you say that because, I mean, I just, I don't was it yesterday? It must have been Monday or Tuesday. I went out caching on my lunch hour, something I used to do a lot of, but because I've kind of cleaned out most of Moncton now, I don't have the opportunity to do it much. So I had gone out to uh, the cache into the underpass there on Gorge Road. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a couple in that area. Like there was that one. There's one in the behind the ball field at the university. Yeah, and Zonker's uh, Pony Express cast. There was one there, and then there was a couple other right off Mountain Road. And uh, you're talking about you know raspberry bushes and stuff. There was one that was hidden in behind in behind the subdivision right off Frampton Lane. There's yeah. a park, like just a regular kids park or whatever. There's a cache hidden in there, and it's like big giant tree. And then nothing but rose bushes. It's like this huge mass of rose bushes filled with these honking giant thorns. And you know, and I'm looking at the GPS, and it says two meters pointed straight into, or th actually not two, like five meters straight into the into the bush. And I'm like, I'm not putting, I'm not going in there. I'm not, you know, I'm on my lunch hour. I got to go back to work in 20 minutes. Yeah, I gotta, I don't want to get this. But it turns out I didn't have to. I ended up finding the cache. It wasn't in those particular bushes, so I was lucky. But. You know, see all those thorns and stuff. No, thank you. Not my, uh, <laughs> not my idea. Number one scout has one called Ouch Ouch, and it's in hawthorn trees, which have the inch and a half long spikes. Oh, really? And it's in the middle of a giant one. Really? And um, I understand why he called it Ouch Ouch. <laughs> and that, that was a fun one to find, of course, especially with uh, Paul and Stacy. <laughs> you know, it's always fun catching with him. Give it a try sometime. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, so we've had, uh, some pretty interesting comments and, uh, topics come up on Cash Up New Brunswick in the last month or so, so I, I, I brought a couple out, you know, we can just kind of, uh, talk a little bit about, because these are some of the ones that I noticed either had really high comments or just different people we've been talking to and saying things, and, uh, the most recent one that comes to mind, actually, is the, the one that Forrest Fauna talked about with the caches in Bathurst, and, uh, the whole maintenance issue, and it looks like that kind of really sparked a debate on the site because, you know, what what he said, I can understand what he said, but it certainly seemed to stir stir some people's pots on the. Uh, Dude, computers can do that. 
Wow, computers can do that. It certainly seem to stir the pot on people's opinions on whether or not you should, you know, whether or not the the finder should be doing the maintenance on caches that are out there. And, you know, it seems to be there's a couple of different different points of view on that. And, I mean, I don't know. I know you, you posted a comment. I posted a comment. I think some of mine might have come off the wrong way, but it's still it's it seems that there's a lot of sensitivity around the whole maintenance issue. <laughs> a lot of people take it personal. Yeah. I met the cashier that we're talking about, and I'm sure people can figure it out, uh, early on when I first started, just before he finished up. And uh, a lot of people had a lot of respect for him, and he was doing a lot of good stuff early on, putting out great caches, but he's not, he hasn't been caching for three years. Really? And I, I tend to agree with Forrest Fauna in that situation. If the cache is broken, take it out. Yeah. Just archive it and let somebody else have the spot. Or do, we're perpetuating the problem by fixing caches. And other people say, fix it and let it go. You know, put a new log. But I mean, some of them are just were completely destroyed. Yeah. One of them, we just found the cover of the cache, the tree. That cache should be archived. So would you, I mean, do you think it's, it's better to, like, I, I guess one of the things that kept coming up in the comments was the fact that people were saying, you know, well, maybe that, in certain unique situations, depending on the, the cache, that it should almost be expected that cachers should do the maintenance. You know, like, and I know that there was comments about, you know, replacing logs and maybe repairing containers and this kind of thing, that you put the you put the containers out there and people go and hide them, you know, sort of with this expectation that, okay, well, you know, if the log gets damp, somebody's going to replace it for me, you know, like, and myself, I don't, I don't necessarily think that that's such a great idea. I mean, I think it's great that, cashers want to help i mean i'll replace the log you know i've i've seen a cache of yours in pieces and put it back together and, and do whatever i can but you know if somebody goes and hides a cache my opinion has always been and you know maybe i'm in the minority but if you're going to hide a cache you should take responsibility for the maintenance of that cache it should be up to you to maintain it and not just assume that everybody else is going to take care of it for you so you know to the point where they were talking about Okay, well, hey, you know, I've gone and put out a whole bunch of caches, and you know, as a as a throwback or a thank you, you know, the least you could do is, is is give me some maintenance to save me the trouble. And it's kind of there's two sides to that, you know. Yeah, it's it's I have no problem replacing a log or or even a full on container if I have one with me, but not everybody keeps all that kind of stuff, and it's I don't know if you can't maintain your own caches, I don't know if you necessarily should be hiding them. <laughs> oh yeah, I agree, and I've also come to the point now where. I'll look and see who the cash owner is. Yeah, that's true. And decide true. if I want to do maintenance on it because if it's a lazy, quote-unquote, lazy casher, then why am I promoting his laziness or yeah. laziness or whoever it is? And the other side to that, too, though, is that, yeah, if you know the casher, if you actually know the person, you yeah. know, you, you're either friends with them or you just know them and you know the personality type, it's a little bit easier to go ahead and do maintenance and say that you've done maintenance, whereas some people, if you actually... You know, say you hauled the entire container out because it had been completely destroyed, and someone might get pretty upset by that, and you know, say, "Hey, why are you stealing my cash or getting?" Well, know, I've got a funny story for when I first started, and I'm going to tell it now. <laughs> I was doing the Dobson Trail. We were going to Hayward Pinnacle with my scout troop in October of 2007. At the time, there was, at the most, maybe ten caches on the Dobson Trail. Okay. Jim 52 had a series of six or seven caches that you had to do the whole series and the final was here in Riverview. 
and you had to get numbers along the way. Okay. So on our way up to Hayward Pinnacle, I found this cache, and it was two inches of water, everything in it ruined, uh, no way to sign the log, and I was hiking to Hayward Pinnacle, and it was three, four kilometers from it. So my scout troop looked at it, and I said, well, let's take it with us to the Hayward Pinnacle. We're going to clean it, we're going to dry it out, we're going to fix it. On the way back down, put a nice clean cache back there for him. Okay. Let's help Jim. At the time, I hadn't met Jim yet, Jim 52. So we get up to the Hayward Pinnacle, everything's great. We have our lunch. A whole bunch of other people had come up to meet us. Some parents and a couple other scouts that got there late. They come up from the backside, off of Prosser Brook Road from the backside. And, they, and some of the kids were tired. We had hiked quite a ways to get there. So they said, why don't you come down the back way, and we'll drive you back to your vehicles. Okay. So we all said, great. So there I left, and we drove back to our vehicles. I get home, I open up my bag, and there's Jim's cash. Oh, wow. In my bag, and I'm home. We didn't go back the way we came in. I completely forgot I had it, because things happen. Yeah, exactly. I get home with Jim's cash. This is a cash in a series that had a number in it for people. Oh, wow. So I emailed Jim, and I apologized 25 times in the email. <laughs> and he called me up, and he said, thanks for, for doing the maintenance. One of the other ones is missing. I wanted to pull them all out anyway. Wow, really? So actually, you did me a favor. No. It was just a fluke. No, no, I meant, if I had to, I would have walked that seven or eight kilometers and put the cash back for him if I had to. But he told me not to, and he ended up removing them, and... Now the Dobson Trail is no more room anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, it's But that's true. a funny story where I really had good intentions to help them. Yeah. And I screwed that one up big time. Hmm, that's Brought interesting. Yeah, and like I had I had a cache out in, uh, oh wow, it's like way out McLaughlin Road there, out near the Garland Road, yeah. way out that way. And uh, it was one of my crayon container caches, you know, that I've seen around. And I had hit it. Well, there was another cache. I'd actually been going for two caches in that general area, and I'd gone for quite a... There was no trail left. It was all filled in. It was pretty heavy. So I put the cache container there and went and got the other caches, and all, all was well. But because it was so far in, and there's most people had had already gotten caches in that area, nobody was going to find it. I think, you know, in two and a half years, I had, like, five finds on this one cache. So then I get a, an email from EBE, EBE 51, yep. a newer cacher that we've been seeing around. And he went out to do it. He really likes to do those caches that are kind of out of the way, right? And uh, he told me the container had been completely mangled. He says, it was just destroyed. He says, it looks like somebody, something had bit it or whatever and, and destroyed it. And, you know, he hadn't been caching long enough because he said, I would have taken the container with me, but, you know, he didn't know whether that would have been the, the case. And I, I can understand that. I'd be in the same situation. If if I don't know the owner, you know, is he going to get mad that I took his cash or is he going to be happy? And, I, you know, he asked me, he says, well, what do you think you should, what should I have done, you know, in that case? And I said, well, I said, for my caches, I can't speak for anybody else, but if I find somebody's cash and it's completely destroyed and basically unusable, I would remove it. You know, I would remove it and take it out and say, you know what, this is what happened. The cash is completely destroyed. You know, it was better to remove the garbage because at that point, that's what it is. Take the garbage out and, you know, if, if you want to replace it, we replace it. Otherwise, you can just archive it. So so I think that was a, that was a good one. Uh, but we could go on on that subject. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mentioned this earlier to you. I don't like putting a needs archived. I don't mind the needs maintenance if I couldn't fix it. But I think the cash is still savable. Yeah, and I'll tell them it needs maintenance, but if I think the cache is beyond that, uh, 
I don't like doing that. I don't like taking somebody else's cash out to the woods. But if it's complete garbage, yes. I've taken a couple out. I've taken one for Funky Nasa out one time that was just totally ruined. Yeah. And, well, he's in the process of archiving. If, if he's not really into the game much anymore. Yeah. But, um... I'm, I'm, I don't like... I don't think I'm the geocaching police. I hate to do that type of thing. When other people are willing to step up and and say, hey, fix that. Yeah. Or get it yeah. out of there. Yeah, and that there again goes back to, you know, it depends on depends on the kind of person you are. It depends on how far you want to go. You know, do you... Yeah. Do you do somebody else's maintenance or just leave it? So it's, yeah, it's definitely a heavy topic. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll bring that one back up again someday. Yeah, yeah. Get somebody else's opinion, get a couple guys together, Hamlet. That would be interesting. That would be a good thing to do. Get some, uh, get some more opinion on that. So, another thing I, I had mentioned or had saw online, we were talking about power trails. Lots of stuff about power trails and the fact there's the ET Highway now, which is like a thousand caches, and, you know, even the Dobson in itself. It's yep. basically one big-ass power trail, and so there's some discussion on whether or not power trails are good or bad, you know, like, does it sort of take away, and I think the the discussion actually was from the Groundspeak Forum, where I saw the, the conversation going on, and they were saying, you know, like, power trails like the ET Highway, which for those who don't know what the ET Highway is, ET Highway is basically this highway road out in the Nevada desert, where the uh, Nevada, I think it's the Nevada Geocaching Association hit a thousand caches. So you literally go, you know, like every 160 meters, you'll find another cache. So you could get, you know, a thousand caches in 36 hours if you really push yourself hard. But uh, the case being, you know, is, is are power trails good or power trails bad? And the conversation kind of turned into the direction of, well, I guess it's really kind of depends on the context of where you are. You know, like the Dobson, I don't know... You know, you've got, what, 58 kilometers on the Dobson, and it's one great big long power trail. Well, if I'm a cacher, that sure as heck gives me an incentive to try and go do that trail. And then I get to see the trail at the same time. So I think that's that's my opinion. I guess it just sort of But depends. power trails are right up there with micros. Yeah. Some people don't like micros. Some people don't like puzzles. If you don't like a power trail, don't do it. Yeah. But then there's people that it's a numbers game, and they don't like seeing somebody go out in two or three days... And get a thousand, and you know if numbers matter. Yeah. Because I know there's two local cashers that are going to do that power <laughs> trail, and it's going to push them a thousand caches ahead. Yeah. And to people who num where numbers matter, then that that's a big deal. Yeah. They like the power trail when they're doing it. <laughs> they don't like the power trail when somebody else is doing it if numbers matter. Yeah. And to me, I don't care about numbers it's obvious by my numbers yeah that's what i was just going to say you know what's your what's your sort of take on the whole numbers game as far as tracking your finds yeah, and such you have to have numbers yeah it's you, you appeal to everybody some people just like to look at east river he's the oldest not the oldest he's been catching the longest in yeah. Canada, and uh, i don't even know if he's at a thousand oh uh, yeah be just over a thousand finds so he's a casual cacher that likes to get out and get an interesting cache. Yeah, yeah, it's and true. And there's other cachers that have to get everything. Yeah. And, just and I think, I think too, that goes along with that, though, is that I think after, if you cache for long enough and you, your numbers get higher, I think after a while, for some, it might, it might not have started that way, but that's kind of the way it goes because, you know, by the time you've gotten a couple thousand caches under your belt, you've pretty much seen everything there is to see. You, it's very rare you would see something unique so if you want to continue playing some people might be oh well you know 
my 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 goal now is just to hit a milestone. Am I going to hit my next thousand milestone or my next five hundred? And and well, that's you, part of the drive. You're going to have milestones per type. I want to get a hundred multis, hundred yeah. puzzles, a hundred of this. Yeah, that's so true too. I've got uh, well over a hundred puzzles. Yeah, I'm nowhere myself. near that in multis. No, I think I don't even think I have fifty multis. I, I wouldn't think I have that either. So. But I know I've got a whole bunch of puzzles thanks to PEI mostly. <laughs> and, yeah, thanks to PEI exactly. El Nimrod's got a lot of puzzles up yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. I go cashing with people who like to solve puzzles. Yeah, exactly. So, bonus for me, I didn't necessarily solve them all. Yeah. And there's another topic we can bring up someday: finding puzzles without actually <laughs> solving them. Yes, indeed. That uh, that's definitely. I I think just briefly on that, I think most cash owners don't care. I think most cash owners would rather the caches be found versus. Yeah, and some cash owners take pride in how they created their puzzle. Yeah. And they would are more than willing to, to help cashers who just don't get it yeah. or can't see it. Yeah. And some cash owners don't care how you you found it. Yeah. Right? There, there's a there's some Tupperware in the woods and you found it and found <laughs> it. Exactly, exactly. So And that's how I feel. I have a puzzle one and I don't care how people find it. It's a fairly easy one to find. You do a little bit of Google stuff. Yeah. But I got some other ones coming out and we'll see what happens with those. Well, I know that my. I have. I don't have very many puzzle casts. I have the three for my Storyteller series. Yeah. And then I. The one before I'd done that, which was my Vodcast, where you had to watch the video. Yeah. And the puzzle cache, when you put the puzzle together, you know, I, that was. I, I really, really like that one. And, I found it. It's very well done. Yeah. And then uh, the 1973, which, you know, yeah. kind of. I think irked a few people, but you know it was it was an idea that I had. It was it was a cache I've been wanting to hide for a while, and I needed to figure out a good way to do it. And you know that was the reason behind it. I thought this is a really neat, really different kind of idea. And knowing that people are so passionate about puzzles, like some of the folks that are yeah. really in it, they're really really passionate for it. They'd really be spending some serious time trying to figure it out. And I I, I think there's also a certain I think there's a certain I don't want to say coolness or neatness about that, where people yeah. are gonna are gonna try and figure it out in any. Well, I knew there was can. people that were really, really going to try to because they loved the first to find on the puzzles. Yeah, and I, I think what really got me going is, hey, I want to get this one, I want to get this one, <laughs> and I did. So it was it was fun for me that way, but once uh, you hit your puzzle a certain way, and once the trick was figured out, yeah, eventually. It's going to just spread, and everyone will, f will yeah. figure it out. Yeah. But they're still having to do what you wanted them to do. Yeah. To get it. Yeah, and and you know, like I think the thing with that is, is I would almost expect, like knowing myself, the storyteller series aside, because that's that's a bigger, there's yeah. a bigger thing to that. But something like the the uh, the 1973 puzzle or some of these other puzzles, you know, if people when people figure it out and the word sort of spreads. You know, then the sort of novelty of it being new and yeah. that kind of thing is, is sort of gone. So, I almost see myself like that 1973 cash will probably not be one that I will keep for a very long time. Yeah, you know, I'll keep it up for for a while. But you know, it was I had this idea I wanted to do it and see what people would would do and and then whether or not to take it out because you know it's it's good to free up space once in a while anyway too. So, you only made one mistake hiding that cash. <laughs> Which is... Where you hit it. Well, you know, I, I was trying to reuse a good location. I could have hit it across the street, I suppose, but probably still would have found it. <laughs> it it's possible, yeah. You can... Well, I've, I've brute forced. You did a brute force find on that. Yeah. I've brute force found a puzzle cast before, so... Yeah. 
That's kind of cool. Um, so I think we covered most of the, the post and comment stuff I had here. I had a thing on virtuals, which, you know, we don't have any virtuals in Moncton. I just think there's one one in Fredericton. I think there's one in, one or two in St. John. Um, there's been discussions on the Groundspeak forums about the return of virtuals. They're trying to figure out a good way to bring them back. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see if that if that's going to pan out. They seem to be really keen on it, but, you know, I don't want it to turn into Tim Horton virtual games. Well, waymarking is. Yeah. Like waymarking didn't turn out the way they had planned because they didn't control it. They need, they need more control. Yeah. It's, I really it, do it. Because I... It's like hiding a cache when you're on vacation. It's the yeah. same idea. I don't think people should be able to hide a cache, a virtual cache... Thousands of miles. Like I said, I could put one in the Forbidden City in Beijing. Yeah, because I could using Google Earth. Yeah, I've never been there. That's wrong. I don't. I don't agree with that. I think you should be in that area. I think if they're going to bring them back, there should be a sort of yeah. guideline that says you cannot hide, even though you're not really hiding anything. But you can't hide or list a virtual cache unless you're within X amount of kilometers of that particular location. I was reading on geocaching forums today. Uh, somebody went on vacation. And hit a cache while he was on vacation, found this really cool spot, hid this cache, went home to list it. And I said, well, you can't do that. He said, but I got somebody who lives in that area. I'll email them and see if they'll do maintenance. And said, well, no, you can't. We're not allowing you to do it. He lived in New Zealand. Wow. The cache was in, in Vanuatu where they had... Uh, oh, Survivor. A, where they had Survivor down in the South Pacific. Wow. So he, he, was, he was a good ways away. And it was an underwater cache. Anyway, oh. the cache is sitting there, and uh, now, now what is he going to do? Wow, that's kind of an interesting so, thing. Grounds, he asked Groundspeak to publish it, so the first to find could go get it and remove it so it would be gone. They said, no, we won't do that. So now he has no way of getting it out of there, unless he emails a local cacher, and they do it out of courtesy. Wow, really? If it was an ammo can, I'd go get it, so I'd <laughs> use the ammo can. Yeah. So you got to be careful where you hide caches, too. You have to be prepared to do the maintenance. Yeah. And that's what Groundspeak's got to have to... With the virtuals. Otherwise, you're going to have somebody um, that's hiding caches and, and never been there. There's no maintenance to a virtual, but I don't want all, all of a sudden, I start thinking, I want to do a virtual for something here in Moncton, and then some guy in Rhode Island yeah. beat me to it. Yeah, it, it's, I don't know, I always found it a little strange that you could list caches, or submit a cache that was hidden way far from your home coordinates. Well, well, you have mentioned about Northwoods Explorer having some new yeah, earth caches. Yeah, earth caches in Grand um, He doesn't live anywhere near here. And he's got hundreds of earth caches. Oh, yeah? From what I know, he's a geologist okay. and just loves earth caches. And he's doing them up using Google and hiding earth caches in areas. Okay. And he has four down in Martinhead hmm. that were his. Now, he's been there. That's one spot he has been because he's been caching down there and his name's in the logs. Okay. Which is fine. But he has earth caches all over the place and I'm thinking there's no way he could have been to all of these places. Maybe he has, but he doesn't live, I believe he lives somewhere in Maine. Oh, yeah? And he's hiding caches, which is fine. I thought he was a Fredericton cacher, Northwoods Explorer. I thought that, I thought someone said he was, uh, he taught at a university in northern Maine somewhere. Oh, 
Well, if anybody out there... You might have to look that yeah. one up. <laughs> I, I don't want to be quoting <laughs> something wrong. <laughs> anybody knows where Northern, Ex- uh, Northern Explorer, right? Northwoods Explorer. Northwoods Explorer. If anybody knows where he lives, post his comment on the uh, post of the podcast. We can look it up and find it on geocaching.com. Yeah, that's true. I'm, sure. so. now, I'm not saying that he's doing a bad job. It's great. I love Earth Caches. And yeah. Like, I think they're fabulous. But I'm just making a point of he's hiding them in places that that aren't near where he lives. Yeah. The, the thing, at least the thing with that, I mean, and I guess it kind of does go both ways, at least with a virtual or an earth cache, there's no physical taint container to maintain. So there really isn't any maintenance. So I guess that's kind of why they say, oh, well, you know, I should be able to hide anywhere because maybe I know of, you know, John Doe's backyard where there's a big, cool, ancient well and you can bring people there, you know, things like that. But at the same token, you know, then you're kind of taking away from the locals who might want to use that same that same spot too and yeah. if, I suppose if there's not really locals or if it's within a certain distance of where you live I don't know that, that's I guess it's a weird topic there so uh, and there's yeah. also people who don't want any new virtuals out because all the they have the icon and all the new people can't get it you know oh, different yeah. things like that yeah like locationless you can't get that no yeah way. exactly and we'll never get one no. unless they bring it back yeah and I've heard people say tough you were, this is for people who were around years ago. We got them, and I don't want them back because it's a it's a badge of honor for me to have that. You know what? I kind of agree with that too because yeah. I've seen the same the same post on on Groundspeak where they people were griping about about the locationless, and I saw somebody griping about the uh, the unique icon for the Lost and Found event they had in Seattle. Yeah. So it was an icon for a single day in a single location. If you happen to be there, you can get that icon, and people are like, well, that's not fair, and it's you know. There's there are types of caches out there that you will never find. Location is a locationless is a perfect example because that was from a time when that was allowed. So it's no different. It's it's just something you can't get anymore or you can't get to. Nobody's nobody's griping about the fact there's only two Project Ape caches left in the world. I mean, you're either going to go to Washington State or down to Sao Paulo, Brazil, to get that one icon, and you know that that was for a specific type of cache that was released for a, a special promotion. They have a special icon. And if you happen to have the, the chance to get it, well, that, that's what makes it attractive. I think that's what makes it more interesting to try and get something like that. So, uh, yeah, the, the, the thing with virtuals, it's, I don't know, it's a little, uh, a little weird. We have some upcoming events. I listed, uh, I got four of them listed here. I know there's more than that, but these are sort of some notable ones. Uh, you have your puzzle burning on the 1st of October. <laughs> so that, I put that out. Monta were bragging about their 20-some new micro-logics that really people love them or they hate them. <laughs> I, I have, I say I hate them just because I can't do them. I didn't, I'd say out of, I don't know how many they have, well in the 70s now, 75 I think. I've solved maybe 15 on my own. But they're getting really hard now. Are they? The latest ones were really hard. And um, I was just joking. I said, I just want to go and let's have a, a bonfire and burn all the puzzles <laughs> we don't like. And it's just for fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm not aiming this at anybody. And in particular, there are puzzles out there, like your 1973, yep. that are difficult. The, the Monpa Tribute. Yeah, that's a brutal one. It, it, it is. And I, I know how to solve it. I've tried solving it. And, and I just couldn't get it to work right. You know, it's funny you say that because I did the same thing. I yeah. did the same thing you did, and I got the same. I had the, I got the same thing. Yeah. The coordinates. I ended up yeah. on Lachlan Road. So I ended up way out. You're, with you're the seed coordinates. And, and, and yeah, but th- exactly. Wrong. Yeah, I know it's wrong. Then I, I went through and I looked again, 
And I actually rechecked the ones that are on the, the actual page, and yes. some, some are not what I thought they were. Okay. They were different. And I got a, got another one, had me out Mapleton, in Mapleton Road, and I know that's wrong, too. <laughs> so I was trying it, and I worked with Insepa, and we were talking about it, and he says, well, actually, you're, that's not it. He told me I was wrong, because I yeah. was going to go out. He said, it's here. So I said, well, obviously, I've tried. I can't get it. He gave me the coordinates. Okay. Sorry, VB Pat, I cheated. <laughs> uh, I went out, and, I, and Zonker and I were at a football game with our sons playing. Oh, uh, okay, cool. So, um, and I, I think he's he's okay with that. He said he's willing to help if someone yeah. needs help. But I knew how to do it, and I just couldn't get it. Yeah, I've been meaning to try it again by putting in all the, yeah. the codes or whatever. So, so you're going to have a so little... You, what I want you to do is bring out, print off a listing at home of a puzzle that you gave you trouble, you don't like, just for fun. And bring it out, and we're just going to sit around the bonfire, and we can throw them in and, and burn them. Uh, I'm going to have a few prizes. What I wanted to do is uh, give you a ticket for every listing you bring to burn. <laughs> and if you archive one of your puzzles, I was going to give you ten tickets. Nice. But um, Cash Tech told me that that was promoting an agenda to get <laughs> puzzles removed. And you can't do an event with an agenda. Okay. So I had to remove that. But if you want to archive one... <laughs> I'll still give you 10 seconds. <laughs> well, I don't have any puzzles to archive, but I know that there's a few that have... Uh, well, I just want to get out, and I can't think of a better place to have a geocaching event than at the fire pit on the Dobson Trail. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty awesome spot. It's, it's a great spot. There's nothing wrong with going to a uh, for breakfast at a restaurant or to a coffee shop or wherever we're having it. But an, an outdoor event is the best event. Yeah. I guess yeah. that's the scout leader in me. Yeah, hey, that's true enough. Um, I've got an event coming up called What About Where I Go, which is going to take place at the uh, the community room at the New Sobeys in Riverview. Uh, that's going to be on the 29th of September, which you know is actually less than a week away now. It's a week from yesterday, I guess. And it's basically a sort of workshop about where I go caches. You know, they, where I goes aren't very popular because there's a lot of complexity in building them, and you need specific hardware to be able to run them. So... I know that uh, Coop Squared in Fredericton sort of brought a group out after a breakfast to sort of introduce them to the concept of where I go because they finally got some in Fredericton for the longest time. The only ones we had in the whole province were the ones that I had done here in New Brunswick, so it was kind of nice to see some others pop up. But I basically have got it broken down into three pieces, going to walk you through the uh, the concept of playing a where I go cartridge and the game and how it works and what it's all about, where it came from. Uh, People that are interested that want to go, we're going to do the, uh, since it's at Sobeys, I put one in the par Sobeys parking lot, so you can go out and do that one called uh, Can't Find My Keys or Lost My Keys. Can't Find My Keys, I think is what it's called. Uh, and do it's really, really easy. It only takes about 10 minutes, not even that. It's, it's, yeah, I found it. It doesn't take long. Yeah, it was really, really quick. And then uh, the last part of it is basically going over building a cartridge. So I'm going to show some of the stuff that I've done on the I Can't Find My Keys one, but I also have this sort of skeleton where I go that I was kind of con uh, just as a pure concept just to so show people. So if people bring their laptops and they have the builder installed, they can try these different pieces. It's basically uh, the the story is is that you're going to a concert. So you go to a hall and you need to buy a ticket and they won't let you into the auditorium unless you have a ticket. So it's using that as here's the step-by-step -step how you could build it. And just to give people an idea of how how you build where I goes, because they are they are a different kind of cache. It's a totally different way to go caching, and I love to see more of them. Uh, I know a lot of people don't have the hardware to play them, which kind of sucks. But uh, I think it's a really really neat platform. I think it's a really neat way to to create an interactive experience 
with geocaching that's different from what we, we normally see. So I'm trying to build one, and I got to a certain point where I want to do more with it. I want more interactive other than just walking from point to point. Yeah. So that's why I'm hoping you'll be able to help me out with well, that. hopefully. One of the comments I've heard from somebody recently about where I goes, and that will come with, and that has to do with the person making them, is sometimes they don't know what to do next. Yeah. Do I push a button? Do I have to do a task? Do I have to... So if you're going to build a where I go, be very direct. Lead the person. Say, okay, click okay so we can go to the next point. Yeah. So that they'll know, oh, I have to click okay. Yeah. And I think you have to lead people I, to do them. Yeah, and I, th I think that that's a really, really good point, Ken, because I think that... I don't think people realize that if you're going to put one of these together, you're literally standing outside somewhere... And the only thing that you have to tell you what you're supposed to do is what you see on your GPS, unless yeah. it's been incorporated something in the real world to help you. So if you don't give them guidance, you're kind of lost. And I learned that with the very first one I did, because when I did Jacob's Bridge, you, you show up at Jones Lake, and at the, the first version of the game, when uh, Mark and Jeff did it, and Sepp and Mark Irene, they said, you know, they didn't know what they were supposed to do. It just said, search the area. So, you know, and... What I was walking in two different directions until I hit the next. Yeah, exactly. And the idea was, yeah. and, you know, I was thinking, you just walk the shoreline. Well, nothing told you to walk the shoreline. It just said, search. So now if you play Jacob's Bridge, yeah. you know, one character says, I'm going to go one way. The I want you to check out the trees along the shoreline. So walk that the shoreline. That wasn't there when I did it. Yeah, so now it's it's more direct. It actually tells you. and. That, that's one of the things I'm going to talk about is, is planning. You have to think of all those little things because it's not like a cache. You well, we talked about that where we're both, you more than me, in the, in the computer programming type thing. Yeah. When I was in there doing flowcharts. Yeah. So that you, you know, your decision making so people can follow it. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. If so, you do this, what happens now? You yeah. go here to do that, you go here to do that. Yes or no, you have to come up with that. Yeah. You have to design the whole thing so that the flow is natural. Maybe yeah, and, and the thing the thing that I had started doing, which both has pros and cons, is that I've started forcing the user to go a specific way. Yeah. You know, like for the, the I can't find my keys, you know, it starts, it says, go to your car. You can't do anything else, right? You do not have the, you can't see the cart corral, you can't see the yellow car, you can't see the lamppost, you can't yeah. see any of that stuff. So it, it sort of forces you to take that path, whereas you could actually build a where I go that... Everything is there, and leave it up to the user to figure it out. Like, you tell them via task, okay, well, you need to search a car, but they could go into any of these other places, and that would add another level of complexity to it, but at the same token, it's it's also harder to, to program all that. To build that would be crazy. Yeah, because you, yeah, that's, that's the reason why I make it a little bit more simple. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about your phone. Um... Uh, Last last few things, I noticed there was an event coming up in the uh, Kingston area near Quispam Sis. Uh, KFD Canada is hi uh, doing an event. It looks like it's a Halloween costume event of some kind. So it says it's family-oriented. Head on out and uh, get dressed up. Um, and the last, as far as upcoming events are... Uh, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I think I'm catching my son's cold here. Or edit that out. Yeah, I'll have to cut that out. Uh, the 10-10-10 events. So October 10th. Yeah, there's two, two in Sackville. Yeah. Paul's, uh, there's a Bridge Street Cafe in the morning. Yeah. And then uh, the Scrubber Duck. Yes, the Cedo. The Cedo. And then um, I'm doing a flash mob at 10.10 at night. Yeah. Now, if you listen closely to my phone, oh, it didn't do it this time. <laughs> 
the caches that I listed on the Catamount Trail. Ah, are being published as we speak. Oh, nice. Here they come. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, so there's the two in Sackville, uh, one in Moncton, and I noticed the St. John also has a flash mob. They're doing a flash mob in the morning. Yes, well, so, I didn't, I couldn't do a flash mob where Paul's already have one for it. Yeah, it's true. 10, 10, 10 in, in Sackville. So, uh, so hopefully we'll make it out to... And that's uh, a great spot for an event, the Bridge Street Cafe. It's a nice little cafe. Yeah, it is. It's a nice... And nice Stacy works there. Can't get much better than that. <laughs> that's right. pretty good. So. And the owners are cashers as well. Oh, I didn't realize they're they not, were. They're not into it, but they are cashers. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that they were uh, they were amongst them. So, unless you have anything else you want to, uh, to add to our little... Uh, no, if this goes over well, then I think we'll, we can do a few more specific ones, talking about specific things with other people. Yeah, I, I think, you know, and, and the idea was is just to sort of sit down and have a chat, and it is, it's a different, it's a different medium as opposed to having a post on a website, it's just a different medium, and, and chat, and I, well, I mean, you, you were there, I tried to do one before, I actually had recorded an entire interview with Jim 52, and that was going to be our premiere edition of the podcast, and that was months ago now, but uh, unfortunately I used my iPhone to record the, uh, the audio, and I got an email from work, which crashed my whole phone. Took out all the audio. It still showed the file in the list. Said, yeah. "Oh yeah, here's your interview, but it's zero minutes and zero seconds long." So uh, is that why we have two recorders? Tonight? That's why we have two recorders tonight. My phone and my other MP3 player. Just use both to record because uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully one of them is going to get it right. So maybe someday we can do a video too. Yes, a video podcast would be cool. Maybe at a, an event or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Because I took a video of our of our Catamount Trail hike, so once we get that edited, then we'll put it on Cash Up NB, and I'll write up a little, write up about our trip. Sounds good. All right, so without further ado, we'll uh, we'll close it up, and uh, hopefully we'll have uh, another one of these soon.